you know, I think something that we can all agree upon is that sometimes we just need a reminder, right? Like sometimes we just need to be reminded of something. You know, uh, I will be honest. Sometimes I can, with everything going on, I can be a little bit forgetful. And in those moments, I am thankful that I have a wife who is hyper, hyper organized and planned. You should see the calendar that she has on her phone. She knows when everything is going on for the next century. Like, she just has everything down. And so sometimes I'll try to plan something out or I'll be thinking of something and I'll go to her and she'll be like, oh, no, we've got this and this and this and this and this and this coming up. So uh, if you're going to plan, uh, it's got to be like 10 months out. No, I'm kidding. It's not. But sometimes I need that reminder. And so she knows that I need that reminder from time to time. And so her phone is synced with our Google Home and uh, she has a giant erase board calendar that has all the dates and everything on there. And sometimes I need a reminder that there are reminders around the house. Uh, I'll come to her and I'll say, hey, uh, what do we have going on here? And she goes, you know, we have the Google Home Mail. All you got to do is say what's going on. Or you can just go look at the giant dry erase calendar that has everything on there. And so uh, I'm trying to train myself to look at these reminders that she reminds me of all around the house. Sometimes we just need a reminder. And I think Psalm 66 for us is a reminder. And that's where we're going to be this morning is Psalm 66. And you can follow along in your Bibles or on the Version app. And while you're turning there, I think when it comes to our walk with God, we can always use a reminder. You know, it's easy to praise God when things are going well, right? Like when things are just clicking, when everything seems to be going your way, when everything just feels right. It's easy to praise God. It's easy to celebrate when you know things seem to be going in your favor. But then what happens when it's not? When you turn on the TV or you get on social media and you see everything that's happening in this world and you see things going on around your community and things just start to feel difficult. And we start to look at everything that's going on and we start to think, God, what reason do I possibly have to praise you? Life is difficult. Life is hard. Everything is going wrong. There for a while, things were going great, but then, God, everything started falling apart. Things around us are difficult. Uh, my neighbor is really struggling. I'm really struggling. Things just seem to be going chaotic. And in those moments, we start to need a reminder. We need a reminder of why we praise God. We need a reminder of the things that he's done for us. And one of the things that I love about the book of Psalms, it's just full of reminders. And we've been going through this series talking about being honest with God. And we've looked at different writers, mostly David. And man, David, his honesty with God, it was, it was something else. Like he, he could approach God in a way that it's difficult for so many of us to do. He's, he's struggling. He's in uh, the desert. He's going through good times. He's going through bad. And in everything, he is so honest with God. He's not afraid to say, God, what's going on? And he's not afraid to say, God, I'm sorry. And God, I've made a mistake. And, and he's not afraid to question God. He's got this honesty with God. 
and, and we've been going through and we've talked about being honest with God when it comes to confession and, and how we approach our Heavenly Father with our sin. And we've talked about the fact that God has done so much stuff for us in the past that we can come to Him with confidence when we're in need, when we're in trouble. We can come to Him with confidence because we can look back and we can see God has done amazing things and God has rescued us over and over again from things. We've talked about what it means to praise Him. We've talked about what it means to long for Him, to desire Him, to want to be consumed by Him, to, to be near Him no matter what the situation. And Psalm 66, I think it's a reminder a reminder of why we can praise Him, how we can praise Him, what we can praise Him for. Because we need that reminder sometimes. And so we're going to be in Psalm 66, and we're going to start in the first four verses. And it says this. It says, Shout for joy to God, all the earth. Sing the glory of His name. Make His praise glorious. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. So great is your power that your enemies cringe before you. All the earth bows down to you. They sing praise to you. They sing the praises of your name. This psalm here in Psalm 66, it, we don't know much about this. This is an anonymous psalm. There's no uh, information about where this is coming from. We don't know who wrote this psalm. We don't know what the situation was. But we know that it's all about praise. And you see, as we've been going through Psalms, it's been all about that, right? Like everything that's been going on, it's underneath this umbrella of praising God. And so we see that here at the beginning. And we see right away that this is a, a call to praise God, a call to praise Him, a call to thank Him, a call to think about what it is He has done in the lives of His people. And we see Him start out with, shout for joy to God, all the earth. Shout for joy. Greet him with, an, or with acclaim. You see, when a king would go off and would, would go into battle or, or go out and he would come back and he was a victorious king, guess what would happen? As the victorious king came back, they would shout for joy. They would, they would give acclamation for, for who this king is. He's victorious. And you see, we are to shout for joy to God because our king is victorious. Our God is victorious. He has won over sin and death. He has trampled sin and death. He is victorious. And the amazing thing is, is that because of that, because of his victory, we are also victorious. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 56-57 tells us, The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Our God is victorious. Our Savior is victorious. And because of that, we have victory. And so we shout for joy because of what our God has done for us. Then in verse 2, it tells us to sing the glory of His name and to make His praise glorious. To sing the glory of His name has this idea to praise His character, who He is, who God is, what makes God God. And what makes God God? Well, He's all-knowing, He's all-powerful, He's holy, He's creator of all things, He's full of grace and mercy, He's just, and the list continues on and on and on and on. You could probably come up with tons more of the 
attributes of God and think about these are all the things that make God, God. And so we are to, we are to sing the glory of His name. First we're to shout, then we're to sing, to sing the glory of His name and break His praise glorious. Then it tells us in verse 3, Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. So great is your power that your enemies cringe before you. We're supposed to shout, we're supposed to sing, and then we are, to spo- are supposed to speak to God about His awesome deeds. The amazing things He does each and every single day. The fact that the sun comes up and the sun comes down. The fact that we can draw breath. The fact that we can view you know, lightning and hear the thunder. And, and the fact that our solar system is lined up just right for us to survive. Each and every day we can see the deeds, the amazing works that God has done. And we're to speak to God about His awesome works and His awesome deeds. You know, if I were to be honest, and you probably would too, how often when we pray, is our prayers, help me, 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 help me. A lot of times that seems to be the direction of our prayers is just to go straight to God for help. But when do we go to God and say, God, you are so powerful. God, you are so awesome. You are so mighty. You are so holy. You are so all of these things. We're to speak to God about his awesome deeds, his awesome works. Because he does have awesome deeds. He does have awesome works. It says that so great is your power that your enemies cringe before you. You know, the thing about the miracles of God, and you can look in the Old Testament and read through the New, so many things, so many miraculous, powerful, wonderful things that God has done, and yet, sad truth is, is there are so many people today who want to find a way to, you know, just cast them out, right? I mean, those things are, there's scientific reasons for why these things didn't actually happen, right? God's just fictitious, he's a fairy tale, he's fiction, and they try to go against God. They try to stand against God. They try to disprove God. They try to say that God can't really do the things that he says he does. But guess what? So great is his power that the enemies cringe before him. Those who go and try to disprove God, guess what? They end up falling on their face. And they try to say, well, this can disprove God. And then when you ask him about it logically, um, they cringe because they know that they cannot beat God. They can't stop God. They can't silence God. And so we are to shout. We are to sing. We are to speak. And then it tells us in verse 4 and 5, it says, All the earth bows down to you. They sing praise to you. They sing the praises of your name. Come and see what God has done, his awesome deeds for mankind. He turned the sea into dry land. They passed through the waters on foot. Come, let us rejoice him the psalmist tells us to talk to god about his mighty deeds and then he gives us examples of these mighty deeds these mighty works and he says that come and see what god has done his awesome deeds for mankind well what is his awesome deed for mankind it's deliverance he delivers his people over and over and over again and so to prove this to say that god has done awesome deeds for mankind the psalmist is going to say let me show you what those are well those miraculous things he turned the sea into dry land so that they could pass through the waters on foot and he does this not once 
but a couple of times. We know about the Red Sea, right? In Exodus chapter 14, verses 29 through 31, it says, But the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground, with the wall of water on their right and on their left. That day the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. And when the Israelites saw the mighty hand of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and Moses his servant. That's the Red Sea. Well, what about the Jordan River? The Jordan River, right? And in Joshua chapter 3, verses 14 through 17, it says, So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest, yet as soon as all the priests who carried the Ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarethan. While the water flowing down to the Sea of the Arabah, that is the Dead Sea, was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priest who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground. All Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. Deliverance for his people. These are just a couple of examples of the power of God. Read through the Old Testament, read through the New. You can see so much more that God has done. Awesome are his mighty deeds and his powerful displays. And then in verse 7 and 8, he says this. He says, he rules forever by his power. His eyes watch the nations. Let not the rebellious rise up against him. Praise our God, all peoples. Let the sound of his praise be heard. You see, here's the thing. The God of Israel who performed these powerful displays in the past, guess what? He's still God today. He still sits on that throne today. And these powerful displays that he shows with the the Red Sea, the Jordan River, guess what? Those still hold up today. You don't see very many people parting seas and stopping water that's running and turning it into dry ground, do you? If you know them, uh, put me in contact. I'd like to see them do that in person, part of sea. We don't see that, but those still hold up today. God is, God's power is still on display today, and his eyes are on the nations. He sees everything that's going on. He knows what's happening in this world, and he is still on the throne, and that is worth our praise. And so the psalmist says, let not the rebellious rise up against him or else they will face destruction guess what god is still god he's still the same god who was on the throne then he's still the same god who is on the throne now he is the same god who will be on the throne forevermore and if you want to stand against him if you want to rise against him well guess what that's not going to end up too well just the idea of going up against God terrifies me. I, I don't know. Like it, it, drives, it, it boggles my mind why anybody would do so, but yet it happens. And here's the thing. It won't end up too well. Psalm 2, verses 10 through 12, it says, Therefore, you kings, be wise. Be warned, you rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and celebrate his rule with trembling. Kiss his son or he will be angry and your way will lead to your destruction for his wrath can flare up in a moment. Blessed are those who take refuge in him. And you see, I think, as I said earlier, we all need a reminder. And I think one of the reminders that we need this morning is we, re- we need to remember to praise him 
because of his mighty works. Praise him because of his mighty works, the things that he has done, the things that he will continue to do, and the things that make him who he is, those, those powerful displays, those things that reveals how big and mighty he is. We can look back at his works and we can see how he has blessed us. You know, one of my favorite passages of scripture is in Job 38. You know, Job went through a lot of bad stuff, right? Like, like he went through some difficult times. And for the most part, at the beginning, whenever things would happen to Job, he would say, all right, God, I, I don't like this, but I trust you. You've given, you can take away. You gave me this, you can take it away from me. But over time, he started listening to people around him. And over time, he started to, to question God. He started to ask God, God, what, what's the deal? Why are you doing this, God? Why is this happening to me? And he started to get angry with God. And he started asking God, why, why, why? And in Job 38, God responds. And in Job 38, God says some of the most terrifying words, I think, are in all of Scripture. He says, who comes to me without counsel? You brace yourself. I'm going to question you. Brace yourself like a man. I'm going to question you. Man, if God said that to me, I'd be like, sorry. But God says that. And I just want to read a little bit of what it says in Job 38, the first few verses. It says, where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know. Who stretched the measuring line across it? On what were its footings set? Or who laid its cornerstone? While the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy, who shut up the sea behind doors when it burst forth from the womb? When I made the clouds its garment and wrapped it in thick darkness, when I fixed limits for it and set its doors and bars in place, when I said, this far you may come and no further, here is where your proud waves halt. And you see, he goes on and on and on, talking about where were you when I did this? Where were you when I made this? And when I created this? And when I put this into existence, where were you? And I just love this because it reminds us that God, he's creator. He's created everything, put everything in its place. Everything that is, is because he has created it. It exists because of him, He's put everything in its place, and His mighty works deserve our praise. His mighty works deserve our praise. Everything He has done, the creation that He has created, all of that stuff, He deserves our praise for that. But if He didn't do anything else ever again, He did this. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 21, Through Him you believe in God, who raised Him from the dead and glorified Him, and so your faith and hope are in God. He raised his son from the dead. And in doing so, he completed our salvation. He delivered his people from sin and death. And we are to praise him for our mighty works. And I think sometimes with everything that's happening around us, with everything that's going on, sometimes we just forget how big God is and how powerful and how, how mighty he is. And so we can praise him this morning because of his mighty works. Then he continues in verse 9. And he says, He has preserved our lives and kept our feet from slipping. 
He's preserved our lives. You see, at this point, Israel has been a, a, in a, a nation of death and ruin. It was on the verge of death and ruin. And, and yet God has sustained his people. He has upheld his people through all of this. But now in verses 10 through 12, we're going to see some stuff happen in the life of God's people. It says, For you, God, tested us. You refined us like silver. You brought us into prison and laid burdens on our back, and you let people ride over our heads. We went through fire and water, but you brought us to a place of abundance. For you, God, tested us, refined us. God tested the people to see their grit, their quality in the midst of difficulties. Sometimes we don't want to think about that, that God tests his people. And he does. He tests our grit. He tests our quality in the midst of difficult times, in the midst of the problems of life. How do we respond? Do we turn to him? Do we put our faith in him? Do we trust in him? Or do we turn away from him and say, God, it's just too much? And he says, for you, God, tested us. You refined us like silver. This idea of refining us like silver, it's this idea of a, a purge of impurities, the same way that impurities would be smelted out of precious metals. And we see something like this similar in Isaiah 48.10. See, I have refined you, though not as silver, I have tested you in the furnace of affliction. It's through the trials that we go through, it's through the, the, the tough times we find out how strong our faith is in God. It's when we find out how close are we to God. When we go through difficulties, what's our first response? Do we turn to Him? Do we go to Him? Do we trust in Him? Do we rely on Him? Or do we turn away from Him? And then we see these different trials that these people went through. It says, you brought us into prison you laid burdens on our back. People rid over our heads. We went through fire and water. They were brought into the hands of their enemies by God because of their sins. As a nation, they had been trampled. Fire and water shows the varied and extreme dangers that they faced. They went through a difficult time of, of trial and suffering. But guess what? Despite all of this, it says that you brought us to a place of abundance. Through all of this suffering, through all of the, the problems that they faced, God brought them to a place of abundance. You see, over and over again, we face trials, we face rough times, we face difficult situations. And yet God brings us into a place of abundance. God is with us, God never leaves our side, God is there through all of it. And when we come out the other side with a faith stronger through all that we went through, we see that God has been there taking care of us. John 10, 29. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hands. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. And then he continues in verses 13 through 15. He says, I will come to your temple with burnt offerings and fulfill my vows to you. Vows my lips promised and my mouth spoke when I was in trouble. I will sacrifice fat animals to you at an offering of rams. I will offer bulls and goats. So in response of everything that God has done for his people, 
We see the psalmist say, I'm going to offer sacrifice to you as a, as a show of thanks, and I'm going to fulfill that word that I had said that when I was in trouble, I said, God, if I, if I make it through this, when I get through this, I'm going to offer praise to you. I'm going to offer a sacrifice to you. And so he does this. He says, I'm going to fulfill this sacrifice, that, that I, this promise I made to you. And here's the second reminder I think we need to have this morning, and it's that we can praise him in the trials. We praise him in the trials. I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Life is hard sometimes. You probably already knew this. You're probably thinking, yeah, all of us know this. But sometimes we go through trials. Sometimes life is hard. Maybe it's a marriage that's a little bit rocky, a health situation that's a struggle, a job that is not the best, an addiction that has taken hold. And, and we're going through these storms of life, and life is difficult. But you see, even in these storms of life, we can praise God because we know we have a Father who never leaves our side. And here's the, the benefit. You won't believe it, or you might find this hard to believe. There's actually there's a benefit to trials. There's a benefit to suffering. For example, uh, suffering gives us a testimony to share. It gives us a testimony to share, a story to say, when I was going through the lowest point in my life, God brought me into abundance. I like how J.A. Moiter says it. He says, we must live through our sufferings in such a way that they become an opportunity for testimony. Our suffering can produce a testimony about what God has done for us in the midst of our storms. Another thing is that the testing of our faith in the midst of trials, it produces in us the ability to persevere. James chapter 1, verses 2 and 3 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. When we go through trials and difficulties, it can build in us perseverance, this desire to want to keep going for the Lord, to want to keep doing what God has called us to do because we know that he's going to take care of us. And thirdly, when it comes to suffering, nobody wants to go through suffering. If you woke up this morning and said, guess what, I cannot wait to suffer today. Nobody says that. Nobody wakes up and says, man, God, I really, really want a difficult day. We don't do that. We don't want to go through this, but here's the thing. Scripture tells us if we stay strong in our faith in the midst of the storms, if we stand strong in our faith, at the end there's a reward for that. James chapter 1, verse 12, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. 1 Peter 5.10 says, And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. We don't want to go through suffering. We don't want to go through trials, but the thing is, they will come. And I think it's an important reminder in Psalm 66 that no matter what we go through, no matter what difficulties that we face, we know that over and over again, God brings us into a place of abundance. And so stay strong in your faith. Then he continues in verses 16 through 20. 
And he says this, Come and hear all you who fear God. Let me tell you about what he has done for me. I cried out to him with my mouth. His praise was on my tongue. If I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But God has surely listened and has heard my prayer. Praise be to God who has not rejected my prayer or withheld his love from me. Man, listen to the words in those verses. I cried out to him. God listened and heard my prayer. Praise be to God who has not rejected my prayer. He is talking over and over again about the prayers that he has lifted up and God has heard his prayers through all of these things that he's gone through. He has heard his prayer. We come to the conclusion of the psalm and we see how the psalmist prayed and God heard his prayer and he did not reject it. And I think the key to this is verse 18. If I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. The psalmist is saying, you know, if I, cl- if I was clinging to sin, if I was asking God, God, please deliver me from all these things. God, hear my prayer. And yet his heart is not focused on God. His heart is focused on sin. It's clinging to a sin in his life that he does not want to let go of. If he does not get rid of this sin in his heart, saying the Lord would not have listened. And Scripture seems to back this up. Proverbs 28.9, If anyone turns a deaf ear to my instruction, even their prayers are detestable. Isaiah 59.2, But your inequities have separated you from God. Your sins have hidden His face from you so that He will not hear. We need to purify our hearts when we go to the Lord in prayer. Psalm 51 was a great example of this. When David took his prayer, his confession before God, he asked for a clean heart. He, he wasn't wanting to hold on to this sin in his heart. He wasn't desiring to continue this sin. No, he wanted this sin eradicated so that he could fully live for him. If we're praying to God with a heart that's focused and desiring sin, man, our heart's not going to be in the right place. And so here's the the third reminder this morning. Praise Him who hears our prayers. Praise Him who hears our prayers. We have a God, creator of the universe, who longs to hear our prayers, desires for us to pray to Him. 1 John 5, verses 14 through 15, it says this. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask Anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. Now there's a phrase in here. I think it's one we don't think about. But it says this, that if we ask anything according to his will, if we ask according to his will, and here's the truth, and this is a hard truth for a lot of us, we're not always going to get what we pray for. We're not always going to get what we pray for. Sometimes the, think we, the things we think we want, the things that we think we need, the things that we think are, are the things that, that God should give to us, they're not always going to be the things we get. But if we pray in accordance to His will, to ask God for the things that we know we need in accordance to, to what God wants to give us. If we know this, it tells us we have those things. But think about this. We know that the God of the universe hears us. 
the same God who created the solar system, the same God, and I always go back to this because it amazes me every time I think about it, we're just an inch away on each side. If we were an inch closer to the moon, we would freeze to death. If we were an inch closer to the sun, we would burn to death. The same God who put this in the exact right spot desires to hear our prayers longs to hear our prayers, wants to answer our prayers. We are flawed and broken people, but Creator God loves us so much that He wants to hear from us. And sometimes we just need that reminder, don't we, that the God of the universe hears our prayers. And so here's the thing that I want us to think about this morning. In all circumstances, praise Him. In all circumstances, Praise Him. In all things, we need, the biggest reminder that we need is to remember to praise Him in all circumstances. And I know we've talked about this a lot lately, and I probably sound like a broken record, but I think Scripture keeps pointing it out, so I'm going to keep pointing it out. We need to praise God often. And what seems to be missing so much in our life is time spent praising Him. Oh, I'm so busy i got to get the kids to this event and this event and this event and this event. My job keeps me busy from sun up to sun down. Life is just so busy. When do I possibly have time to praise God? What excuses are we keeping, are we letting keep us from praising Him throughout the day? He is worthy of our praise at all times and all circumstances. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16-18 says, Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Psalm 34, 1, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. And He is worthy of our praise in all things, in every situation, because of the great things that He has done, because of the things... Uh, that he has helped us with in the midst of our trials and our sufferings. He hears our prayers and he answers our prayers according to his will. He has done so many great things that are worthy of his praise. Worthy of us praising him. But here's one more reason that stands out. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. And as they do, I, this, this one more reason... Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7, and it tells us this. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has also made you an heir. Man, the creator God who created this universe, guess what he did? He sent a son for each and every one of us. And because he sent his son to redeem us from under the law, guess what? We have received adoption into sonship. And because we are sons, we are the children of God. We are no longer slaves, but we are, are heirs with Christ. We are heirs with Christ. We are his children. I don't, if that doesn't make you want to praise God more, I don't know what will. 
And so we need to praise God in all situations. Praise God for his mighty works. Praise him for all the amazing and wonderful things he has done. Praise him in the midst of your trials and your sufferings. When you're going through them, turn to him and praise him. Praise God that he hears our prayers and that he answers according to his will for our lives. And maybe you're here this morning and you've never given your life to him. And when it says that God made you an heir, maybe you haven't given your life to him. Maybe you're not. And that family will give your life to him. Turn your life over to him. There's nothing better than just imagine being an heir Father God through Christ. It's just amazing. Or maybe you're here this morning and you just need a reminder. Maybe you just need to turn to God and you need to say, God, I have been so busy, distracted with everything that's happened around me in life. Things are just going tough and I just need a reminder. Reconnect with Him. And so this morning, if you have a decision to make, you can fill out your Connect cards. I would love to talk with you. Maybe you just need to spend some time praying to God. If that's the case, I pray that you do so this morning. Man, we have a reason to praise Him in all things. And so this morning as we sing this next song, let's praise Him because He is worthy. Please stand as we sing.